The first reading for our celebration of the Ascension of our Lord, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes to us from the Acts of the Apostles, the first chapter. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To them he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Christ has risen from the dead. He has given him dominion over the works of his hands. The epistle reading comes from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, the first chapter. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Holy Gospel comes to us according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, 
and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today we celebrate the ascension of our Lord. But, as you probably know, today isn't actually Ascension Day. Thursday is, 40 days after Easter. Or did you know that? You know, the truth is, most people don't. Ascension Day has been completely forgotten by the secular world, and sadly, mostly forgotten even in the church. Christmas and Easter, well, they've been kind of taken over by commercialism, but even the most pagan of pagans knows when they are, thanks to the decorations, the TV specials, the gifts, the candies, and the countdown displays at Walmart. But Ascension doesn't get any of that. There are no big parties planned, no decorated houses, and only even a handful of hymns in our own hymnal, some of which, of course, are not so easy to sing. School doesn't let out for Ascension Day. The mail still comes. The garbage still gets picked up. Life doesn't even bat an eye when Ascension Day comes and goes. Even in the church, few Christians celebrate in any way. Most congregations, us included, don't hold a special service on Ascension Day. And those who do, they can expect just a scant handful of people to attend. And yet... The ascension of our Lord is hugely important to the life of a Christian. Each Sunday in our creed, whichever creed we're using, we confess Jesus' ascension into heaven as a central foundational part of our Christian faith. All throughout the Bible, both Old and New Testament, Jesus' ascension is prophesied, it's discussed, it's rejoiced over, and it is explained. It's honestly not overstating things to say that the Ascension is just as important as Christmas and Easter. So why have we forgotten it? Why do we do so little for such an important event? Well, to start with, it doesn't fit in with our world's way of thinking. Because the Ascension is not convenient. Ascension Day falls on a Thursday every year. And I mean, who wants to go to church on a Thursday? There's no candy involved. There's no gifts exchanged. There's no drinking involved. So what's the point, says our human nature? There's nothing in it for me. And honestly, it doesn't even seem to give us anything spiritually. It looks like this is the day that Jesus Christ leaves the earth. And so as a Christian, why in the world would we celebrate that? And then to boot, as Jesus leaves, he gives us work to do. He calls us to be his witnesses. And that doesn't seem at all worth celebrating because that's hard work and it's dangerous work and it's work that our sinful flesh doesn't want to do. So why celebrate? We don't celebrate ascension like Christmas and Easter because... It doesn't seem to give us anything, and because we really don't understand what it is. Christmas, that's Jesus' birth. Easter, that's his resurrection. Those things we get 
because they're kind of tangible even if they're miraculous. But while we might not get the ascension, it's just as important and truly it benefits us just as much as they do. The ascension of Jesus Christ is his coronation and his proclamation as King of kings and Lord of lords. Our Ephesians reading tells us, The Father seated Jesus at far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. As Jesus ascends into heaven, he is no longer subject to his enemies as he allowed himself to be for a time. But rather, he now sits in all authority and rule and command, ruling from his heavenly throne with all things beneath his feet. And besides the ascension, it's not Jesus leaving us at all, but rather it's his able to be everywhere. While on this earth, in his physical body, Jesus chose to limit himself to be in one place at one time as we ourselves are limited. And so this meant, in a certain sense, that Jesus was only where you could physically see him, in a certain sense. And where Jesus is, there and only there, is his church. And so, had Jesus remained in the flesh, the church would be only where Jesus was at that moment. And how often do you think Jesus would make it out to Loudoun, Iowa? Not too often, I'm afraid. But, in his ascension into heaven, Jesus chooses to remove those limits so that he can be at all places at all times. Not just in some spiritual, imaginary, Jesus is in all of our hearts kind of way. Jesus is truly and completely with us. Remember at the tomb when he talked to Mary and she came to him and said, Teacher, and fell at his feet. And he said, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Jesus was not saying, Hey, don't touch me. I'm not a huggy kind of guy here. He was saying, don't get used to recognizing me only in the body, because soon I will be with you differently. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes, He who descended from heaven is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. In fact, just before his ascension, Jesus promises the disciples and every one of us I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that's a strange thing to say if you're leaving someone at that moment. In our Acts reading, Luke lays out very clearly what's going on. In his former book that he talks about, the Gospel of Luke, he says, I recorded the things that Jesus began to do. And that too sounds a little bit strange because Jesus ascends into heaven at the very beginning of the Acts of the Apostles. But that's not the end of Jesus' work. In fact, as Luke says, that's just the beginning of his work through the church, through the Apostles, through his believers who now bring his word of forgiveness, life, and salvation into the entire world. And what's more... The ascension isn't just about Jesus. 
The ascension is a foretaste of what is the outcome of our Christian faith. In the ascension, Jesus Christ did not cast aside his flesh and blood. He did not ascend into heaven and leave a crumpled body lying there like a dead Jedi on the ground. Instead, his very human body was glorified, lifted up and seated at the right hand of God. In heaven, we too will not be mere spirits, but flesh and blood. You know, Gnosticism, the idea that we're all just spiritual beings and we can be set free by being more spiritual, that heresy has crept back into Christianity again and again and again, and it is rampant today. We think that we are good spirits, that we're happy souls, temporarily trapped and weighed down by these nasty old bodies. And true paradise is ditching these wretched meat sacks that we're forced to dwell in right now and being truly free as these bodiless spirits who roam around wherever we wish to be. That kind of thinking can really be seen in people's casual attitudes toward the body, toward abortion, cremation, violence, assisted suicide, all sorts of other things in our culture that say the body is bad and useless and you should be more spiritual. We're led to think spirit good, body bad. And we denigrate our own flesh even though it was a gift from God. God created us to have bodies, bodies that last forever. Adam and Eve, when they were created in that sinless paradise of Eden, they were not created as spirits, but rather as flesh and blood, bodily beings dwelling with God. The resurrected and perfected Jesus, he was not a spirit, but he too was flesh and blood, showing his disciples clearly by eating and drinking with them, showing them his flesh, saying, touch me and see that it is I. Just as we confess the ascension of our Lord in our creeds, we also confess the resurrection of our own bodies in those same creeds as basic foundational scriptural truths upon which our faith stands. At the end of the creeds, when we confess the resurrection of the flesh, that's not Jesus' resurrection. or We're not talking about just him because we covered that in the second article. But rather we talk about our own flesh rising again from the grave to be in heaven with our Lord forever. Now how in the world can that be? How can our sinful bodies be brought into that perfect sinless paradise of heaven? Because that's what Jesus has done for us. He was born into our flesh by the Virgin Mary, having an earthly mother and family. He walked this earth in our flesh, healing the sick, casting out demons, dwelling with us, choosing to endure all the same things that we do in our bodies. Hunger, tiredness, pain, limitations, frustration, sadness, even the temptation to sin. Everything that we ourselves feel in our bodies, Jesus allowed himself to feel as well in his body. But where we fail, where we gave in to those temptations, where we fall into sin, Jesus never did. 
In his fully human body, he remained holy and without sin, perfect and spotless, only to take all of our sin upon himself. And then, in that act of love that we will never be able to fully comprehend, Jesus laid down his eternal life in agony and pain, giving himself over to death, even death on the cross, as the atoning sacrifice in our place. Our sin had to be paid for in full, and his perfect, innocent, holy death was the only price sufficient to pay for all our wrongdoings, and he paid that price willingly, suffering the full righteous wrath of God in our place in order to spare us from the eternal hell that we deserve as sinners. Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah, God himself in our flesh, bled and died to redeem you, to set you free from sin, death, and the devil. The punishment that you deserve for all eternity, he took upon his own flesh, feeling every ounce of it so that you could be spared, forgiven, restored as God's beloved child. But then, on that glorious Easter morning, Jesus Christ broke the chains of death and he rose again from the grave. Not just in the spirit, but in the flesh. He did not abandon his body to the grave, but he rose, body and spirit, to new life, bringing the promise of eternal lives to us, to our bodies and to our spirits. And then he ascended into heaven in both body and spirit, not to leave us, but to be with us at all times and in all places. He is truly with us here today as we gather in his presence because he has promised that wherever even two or three are gathered in his name, he is truly present there. He comes to us in his holy supper, in the true body and blood, which is no longer limited to being in one place at one time, but rather comes to each of us to refresh us and nourish us and strengthen us for the many challenges ahead. He walks with us each and every day, sustaining us, speaking to us by his word, forgiving us, leading us like the good shepherd that he is, strengthening us in the one true faith. And because he is truly with us, because he has worked faith in our hearts, because he has ascended into heaven in both body and spirit, so too shall we. We will not be set free from our bodies to live forever as these kind of misty and corporal spirits. Instead, our bodies will be raised from the dead, perfected, set free from sin. No more pain or suffering. No more sadness or sorrow. No more death. No more evil desires to do what is wrong. Instead, just as Jesus ascended bodily into heaven, Our own bodies, imperfect as they may be right now, will be raised up, made perfect and holy, to dwell in heaven with God forever. This is what the ascension of our Lord is about. And this is why we should never push it aside, should never forget about it, should never treat it as if it doesn't matter. We should rejoice and celebrate Ascension Day with greater understanding and joy, recognizing just how awesome of a day it truly is. No, there won't be any parades or decorations by the world. There won't be any federal vacation time coming your way. 
And we might well be the only people in town doing anything about it. But let's celebrate the ascension. Let's give thanks to God for what he has done for us in this precious and sadly misunderstood holy day. And you know what? Let's not even wait until then. Each and every day of our Christian lives, we rejoice in what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has done for us. We rejoice in his birth, in his death, in his resurrection, and in his ascension, because he did all of it on our behalf. He was born to take on our flesh. He suffered and died to redeem us. He rose again in the flesh to give us eternal life, and he ascended into heaven to be with us and to give us the promise that our bodies too will rise into heaven to be with him forever. And if that's not something worth celebrating, I don't know what is. In the ascension, Jesus Christ has not left us, not in the least. In fact, by his ascension, he fulfills his promise to be with us always. And he shows us just what that means. In his ascension, we witness what is in store for each and every one of us who look to him in faith. Because just as he rose into heaven to dwell bodily for all eternity, so too shall we. Not because of anything that we've done, but because of everything that he has graciously, lovingly, freely done for us. Because by his cross alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.